Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the discussion. We're, we're talking presence, this, that, or the other. What I would put it down to is there's only so many breaths you're going to take on this earth. You don't know how many that is. There's, there's a great quote from Fight Club. You must live your life not thinking, but knowing that you will die. And in that time, in between now and then, how much of it do you want to be spent hunched over a phone, destroying the mental connections in your brain, tearing your eyeballs up to no end? I mean, just the fact that you're staring at a distance that far away from your face for long periods, it's like the equivalent of holding up a five-pound weight with your arm to your eyeballs. Which, yes, they can stare that far for a little bit, but they got to set it down and look somewhere else. When you just stay there staring at that for minutes, hours on end, you are destroying the tiny muscles inside your eyes that, that are allowed to focus. And we see the effects of this echoing throughout our society. Now, you're not an optometrist, but no. you drove past the lens crafters on the way in and got all these ideas. Or Why do you believe these things are destroying our eyes? This is my philosophy. I probably read it somewhere on the internet. It's a good place to read. <laughs> well, that's where all the information is. Yes. And good, bad, or indifferent. The, the, the art is in the eye of the beholder. And that, I guess we want to try it back around to, to our social media. Even if it's good, which I'm trying to put as much good out there, I want to try to see as little of it as possible. You know, this needs to be a tool that we use for our benefit. There's, a, it's, there's an analogy I like to utilize whenever it comes to uh, substance use or kind of taking stuff in life. You know, are you using the drug or is it using you? Because I do believe that there are benefits to be gotten from all sorts of various drugs. There's a pharmaceutical market, obviously, right now that, that proves that. But at some point, you've got to start thinking, is this drug getting the best of me or am I using it? And you can do that as you look down at your device right now. That phone in your hand does have a lot of power to help out. I'll, I'll give one thing that I feel like is very beneficial, and that's the utilization of GPS. I can't tell you enough how difficult it can be. Yeah, but you're kind of a you're a street geek too. Well, that's what well, I would well, call yeah. you. Yeah, you love to be able to flaunt the fact that you can tell me to go two miles north and three miles south, and I'll be exactly where I need to be. Yeah, with the most efficient route possible. Well, that has to get nothing there. to do with your history at all. Well, but here's how bad it was. You know, you don't start off. This this is a Gen X story all day, but. We, we didn't have these benefits of just being able to pull out a phone and tell us exactly where we're going and how to get there. There was a whole lot of just trying to go and, and figure out where you were going to get to in life, especially if you were from a small town coming into the big city. It's funny, uh, one of my friends, when we come down here, <laughs> you know, I was coming from a town that was probably uh, like three square miles by four, three by four. 12 square miles. Woodward, Oklahoma. Give him a yeah, shout out. Yeah, yeah, Woodward. Yeah, why, why, why would you? <laughs> it's Woodward, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, it was great to me. Hand me a couple DUIs. It built you. Well, it built you. You can't hate on it too hard. <laughs> it's the reason why you're here. Somehow I got out of there. I, I don't know. I don't know how I made it. I'll tell you how the, the first day I come out of that place. This is where GPS would have certainly been helpful. So I'm heading off to my first day of to college. Just somehow managed to slip, trip, and fall into enrollment at the uh, university here, in Central Oklahoma. So you're getting paroled from Woodward. 
I am on good behavior. In many ways, too. I wouldn't say it's good behavior. Like I said, <laughs> I, good enough. A couple of DUIs <laughs> in. I didn't get to do a whole lot of driving while I was there, which will lead into the story just a smidge. I had a, a 1980 CJ5, this brown Jeep with no top on it. Uh, now, the reason there's no top is because I rolled it the first week after I'd got it. It was before the procession of DUIs. So the top coming. was there when it needed to be. And no, well, it was it was there then, right. yes. But the roll bars were more important than the top. And okay, so you're in an aerodynamic tractor driving your, your way to your first day of college. Yeah, and I'm... Honestly, I'm looking uh, like some sort of trailer park version of uh, like a Dan Cortez or, or an Eric Nice, if you can think back from the late 90s MTV days. I basically just, what does that mean? I've, what you... got a, I've got a do-rag on, tying back my, my curly locks <laughs> so that they're not, they're not getting too out of control. Okay. And, and, and a beard. You know, I, I was just basically growing out about every bit of hair that I possibly could. I think for some reason in your teenage years, around 18, you're doing that. Oh, I, it's I don't know if it's some can. sort of show that's the first exact, time. Yeah, yeah, look what I can do. It's something new regardless of how great it does or doesn't look. That's what you're going with. So, you know, I'm heading down there. I've got my do-rag on. Doobie in hand, which may sound strange to be smoking a doobie just rolling up on your first day Dude, it was Dude, it was higher learning. Well, you, you, you thought, well, I'll just... They're telling me it's going to be higher learning. I'll go ahead and make sure I'm appropriately settled for that. I'm trying to crawl back into my my 18 year old brain at the time. I don't know what all the thoughts were as to why I was I was headed to my first day of college in the state I was. No books, no n- notes. Just going to go in and hope for the best. I'd always just kind of figured first day of school you don't do a whole heck of a lot anyway. So, and in my defense, smoking a doobie on the way to school anymore was about as sober as I got in those days. <laughs> There's a lot of long-haired country boy. It's like I get stoned in the morning and get drunk in the afternoon. This and, was good behavior. You were on Sunday school behavior right now. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I was. You know, I was just coming off a summer of, um, well, just a, a whole pocket full of hell yeah, and anything that got put in front of me got done. So, yeah, just smoking a doobie on the way to school, was, that was my morning coffee, so to speak. Not thinking too much of it, but also not really having any idea where I'm going. <laughs> because I haven't had my license for very long in the last two years. You're learning how to drive again. The last time I came to UCO, I didn't have a license. Somebody else had driven me up there, and we'd gone in and rolled. And then the rest of it, you know, you do through mail, maybe over the phone. There wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot of times I'd gone to campus. But, you know, hey, I'm from a town small enough that I'm with the mentality that you drive into town, I've seen the campus, it's huge. I won't have any problem finding it. I'm just going to drive into town and go to school. And I start getting into town as I'm about halfway into my doobie, and I'm realizing I don't have any idea where to go, and this place is a lot bigger than I thought. And about that time, I see headlights, sirens, swirling, berry lights in my back rear view. And my whole thought was— You're like, wow, I left left where this happened before, and it followed me. No, honestly, I— I know I had a little bit of resolve in me at the time because, well, first, I wasn't drunk. All my DUI when I was drinking. This is as sober as I get, so I, I, I'm not that worried. I wouldn't have lit the doobie up rolled into town with my top down on my Jeep if I was that scared about life. It's Good just point. the way I roll. But I'm hoping, like, heck, that's not why he's pulling me over. My whole thought is, I hope he didn't see this. I hope I didn't see it. Put that thing away in the ashtray. Put your hands on the wheel and hope for the best. Because I tell you, out of all the uh, police interactions I've had, most of them did not end up for the best. <laughs> but this was one that did. Comes up to my side of my Jeep. It didn't even have a window. You know, it's completely open, which I think Did you me. have doors? No doors. No. Oh, yeah. 
That and is, man. That's a safari vehicle, man. It I mean, was. It, it is. You could be feeding giraffes or driving your first day of college. Same thing. And he says, did you realize that you were speeding through a school zone? And all the worry comes out of me like, he didn't even see my doobie. I was like, I got this made. I just look at him and I go, is it the university? Because I'm trying to find the campus. Do you think you could tell me where that is? <laughs> <laughs> now, little did I know, I'm pulled over like out in front of an elementary school. It's Whoa! It's some neighborhood, you know. I'm, I'm just driving around aimlessly You're thinking I'm going to run into the college. Oh, they got neighborhoods around there. It was it. Well, no, I was with. I was probably about a mile your learning and a half just keeps your, your learning keeps getting higher and higher. <laughs> but back then, back then, you just didn't have this thing in your hand to tell you everywhere to go. You know, you, you might set off on a journey, and you're going to get where you're going, but how you got there might look a lot sloppier. Might even involve getting called, pulled over while you're So what does he do? Beer. Did he give you compassion? How'd it play out? For some reason, he didn't give me a ticket, never noticed that I'd been smoking when he pulled me over, tells me how to get to the university, and sends me on my way. I mean, you can call that white privilege. You can call that damn good luck because I was due after all the times I had gotten arrested, ended up in the back of a police car. But for whatever reason, that's the way the dice rolled that day. I was just meant to get to that first day of school. And so then, though, you had to, you had to rely on fate. You had to rely on a little bit of happens chance for you to get where you were going in the world. And I think yeah you can come up with some good stories from that i mean we've all had we got lost stories if you're from gen x millennials will never have that i got lost stories but even though those can't be fun on a day-to-day getting from one place i want to get to the next in the most efficient manner i love to be able to use the phone but that's something that you got to be careful with because that can start to become something that's using you whenever it takes away from your awareness to the driving to the point that you can't even operate your car without driving it into the lake if you're michael scott on the office (laughs) you uh you bring up a good point here there is there is some joy in getting lost and we feel that a lot when we travel but that that is something that's kind of leaving the earth as well we we kind of end up showing up on time and and everybody knows how to get there and you you feel it with some of the older generation though i I feel this with uh whenever i get around my parents my parents friends they'll start to break into into telling you directions and you, you come to this point in the conversation where you're like, do I, do I just let them dump this knowledge that they have? You know, they're trying to help. They're trying to tell me how I get to, you know, the McDonald's that's four miles away when my phone will tell me. Do I, do I tell them? Do I just hang in here and let them go ahead and, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And then you immediately get your phone out when you, when you get to the car. Yeah, I do that anyway. If they start telling me left, right on my direction, you can't keep track of that stuff. Yeah, you go scribble it down. Well, first somebody's talking north. You got to say north, south, east, west. If somebody's giving you directions and they're not using directions, I I already discount you. But as you said, I am a bit of a I'm a bit of a direction navigational map snob. I I I do take great pride in getting the the most efficient way possible. Well, you needed it that day when you were rolling around like Cheech and Chong on your on your first day at school. I mean, I admire that. My first day at college. I remember I had a Jeep as well. I had an old Jeep Wrangler, man. And, and you want to talk about an inconvenient vehicle. A Jeep Wrangler at that point in time had no air conditioning. It was a four-cylinder. So if I had a mild headwind, I'm doing 55 on the highway. Same it, with it, it, it was a real, like, I, I liked it because I could take the top off. It had magical moments from, like, 7 to 9 in the evening. It was awesome. But if there was any type of inclement anything, mm-hmm. you were wearing it. You were in the playing field. So like a Jeep, 
is an is a anti device. Like a Jeep offers you no comfort from the interior. You're out there in the element and you're dealing with it, whatever it was. Now I know Jeeps have modernized and there were better Jeeps back then, but I was broke. I was 19. I was so proud of that Jeep, man. It was nice and red, and I put these big rims on it. And every time I went up a driveway, it would scrape, and it would be like, and it was so awkward. Everybody would look at me like, "Did something break?" I'm like, "No, that's design, man. These are 31 1050s right here, and that's design. I paid for that scrape up the driveway. You want to know how much it costs? Like, yeah, you just you just love the ability to to accessorize a Jeep. A Jeep's kind of like a charm bracelet. Like, it's you a lifestyle. You want to put some rims on it. You want to put a winch on it. You want to put a plastic cowl on it that does absolutely nothing, but it looks like it walked off the set of Mad Max. There's a lot of ways to get put freaky little names with your on the side of the hood. They've oh, it's, got yeah, it's really escalated. names you got to buy. It's now, mine, mine had none of that beauty to it. Like it's, the funny thing about mine, you've got no you got no no radio in there, so. I, and I do happen to be one of those guys that, for some reason, can't go anywhere without music. And even kind of thinks that, hey, maybe everybody else does want to listen to the same thing I am. I know we all hear that. Some people hate them. Some people realize that, yeah, I do that too. I'm one of those also. You know, so in that in that scene, yeah, that's me driving around, you know, listening to 95X. Got Dishwalla or Tonic playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. It, it, on on just a boombox. Yeah, I got a, a boombox sitting there. Oh, in the back. no. <laughs> because my radio doesn't even work. Oh, you're <laughs> No top, no radio. Dude, you're rolling around worried about how much battery life you got left in those nine volts? Yeah. Oh, well, that, no, that's it was a tragic like four place D's. to be. Uh, it's even worse. I would I would buy a boombox and, and then keep the box. And if I ran out of money, then I would take the boombox back, <laughs> keep the batteries for the next one, though. You were always trying to buy a boombox. Oh, was, yeah. It was you, almost like I was a boombox on layaway. You, were, you had a scheme going on. I had a buddy in college that do that video games. He would get a video game, and he would play that bad boy hard for about two, three weeks, take it back, get another one. Oh. I, I, I thought it was one of the most genius things I'd ever seen. He, he, hadn't, he didn't want to be tied to these video games. But when he consumed these video games, he was lost in them for days. Like He was a precursor to, to some of the, the gaming you see now. But he could crawl into a video game for three weeks, enjoy the heck out of it, take it back to Walmart, get another one. <laughs> like it, was just, it was brilliant. I he was a precursor it. for GameStop. It yeah. was funny you bring up games. Heck, that's another screen. I can't believe I don't play those anymore. I, I had to I had to wrestle my way from away from that. You as also well. you mature you mature to realize like you're throwing your body into some other existence with all your time, and they suck you in because they are they're 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 kind of like this little capsule of accomplishment that I can go pursue when I'm playing a video game. What level you got to? What level? I don't they call them levels now. Who knows? Like. Did you morph into oh. another person? What What did you pick up along the way? I, I don't know what the terminology I'll is. There's coins and gems and something like that involved. But if you think about video, why video games are, are are they in our interest or are they not? They do allow us an escape, and I think we always need escape. But they also create this desire of achievement that would otherwise probably be fulfilled in a physical world. I might go build something physically. Instead of getting to level seven and feeling great about myself because I got to level seven, I could build something in the physical world that actually has a reality to it. Now, is one greater than the other? Well, if you want to transact in this life, yes. If, if you don't want to stare into a screen, if you want to engage with other humans, yeah. I, I would say that, that there is some pitfall in chasing this goal that you have, this perceived accomplishment that is level seven or level eight that doesn't involve anything other than you fiddling with X amount of time in animation. That, what does that get you exactly? 
I, I don't know. And I, as I hear myself say this, I sound like a grandpa that's bagging <laughs> on video games. But it, it, it's we're talking about two things that are highly related, and that's your presence and your awareness in the physical space, and then how much of that you are donating to the non-physical space, to the megapixel world. And, and how much are you showing your kid how to behave? That's what, that's what I keep thinking as we're going through this. I was sort of starting to touch on this earlier when I said, you know, how early I gave my son a phone and how hard it was to, to, to get it back out of his hands. And then we talk about with these video games. We as Gen X grew up playing video games, and you, you said something there. It's something you either you got to mature through, I believe. And our kids, I'm reminded of that drug commercial back back in the uh, 90s. Whenever they, he comes in and he finds his kid with a you know a whole box of pot and asks his son, "Where, where I love that, that commercial. Yeah, that's I a learned great commercial. it from watching you, yeah. Dad. <laughs> that's what our kids are going to see from our parents. So, what I feel myself trying to do, if nothing else, when it comes to what I do with my screen time, what I do with my device, am I using it or is it using me? I try to run it through the lens of, is this how I would want my son to see me? Is this how I want my child? Is this how I want every other human on this planet to interact with each other? And while I do love the fact that this gives us every bit of option for connectivity, we need to make sure that it's not taking away presence and actual personal connection. It needs to be there to build that as opposed to blocking it and getting in the way. And no matter how many times you might think you're about to go into this grocery store and there's nothing in here, I can go ahead and stare down at my phone for this 20 feet of walking in between the avocados and the broccoli. You didn't even give anything in your existence a chance to interact with you. And you gave everybody your existence away to a screen, and you don't even know what might have been out there for your allowing, if you will allow. We need some space to also not be inundated with stimulus. We need some space to just stare at the avocados. Just allow your mind to be peaceful. And when you're constantly throwing the next image or the next screen or you're running around worried about how many likes I got and it wasn't as much as last week, so now my personal worth is not quite what it was, those are the arees where you you got to think, man, it's it's peaceful sometimes not to have your phone. A couple Fridays ago, I went off with a buddy, no phones. It felt like I'd gone back to 1992, and I enjoyed it. And I had a couple of like, oh, my phone, I hope nobody's hurt. I hope nobody's dead. I hope the world hasn't changed in a way where I just missed the boat and now I'm out. See, that's the mentality that's scary. It's because not only it, that we've gotten to where we can't just have our phone on us. That's not good enough because now you wonder if you're missing something. The only way to be relaxed when it comes to a phone now is you have to have it on you and it not be going off. Yeah. You can't just be away from it if you won't allow yourself that. It's, that's another hurdle you've got to get past. You've got to just get past the fact not only am I not with it, but I'm also okay with whatever is or isn't going on on it. It's important to be able to get yourself to that headspace because I'm telling you, as I talk about how you carry that elephant in every room you go through with your consciousness – it can start deteriorating everything you're doing in front of you. Very yeah, that's its goal. Its goal is to take your attention. And, and we've moved into this time and in space now where attention has value. And there's a lot of trappings to get our attention. And those trappings usually have some type of monetary influence behind it that is trying to draw you in. And when we're, when we're giving our time and our attention and we're being subjected to whatever programming is involved in it, then we know that, all right, there's a balance that we have to that we have to endure here and I, I think I think that's what I'm learning from social media along with everything else I'm learning around this 
this another version of social existence. I, I feel like not being on social media for 20 years and then all of a sudden being on social media, it, f- it felt like I turned myself in. I felt like I had a warrant out. And yeah. I went down to the sheriff's office, man, and I just I gave him both wrists. <laughs> and I said, man, sorry. Like, I, I know y'all been looking for me. I, I know, like, I, I should have been here earlier. And I know that people have been wondering why I haven't been here. And, and I'm sorry for all that. But here I'm I am now. I'm locked in now. Yeah. Go ahead and put me in the bracelets and tell me what, what am I supposed to do now. The, the cool thing about being 45 and, and trying to understand it is it is I am able to look at it through a more mature lens and I am able to go, okay, I, I think this will help me with my kids. I, I'm coming to this conclusion. It's going to help me because I'm taking it in through a sippy cup. I'm doing Facebook sippy cup style, and I'm just slowly trying to figure it out. Kind of at the same time that my kids aren't on social media. And there's a lot of people been in this for a while. They've gotten slow boiled into it. They're probably laughing at you with saying what you are right now. Like, that's uh, I, I think, how we all start. Yeah, I, I think that's how that's the emotion range that we're because we're we're trying to figure out how we create this other emblem of ourselves, and, and we we know our physical presence. We we've already been down that road for a while. What do we do in this digital space? And I am I the same person? Because now I've got this this avatar and it's running through the social webs, and. Am I the same me, or am I now, do I even know how to make that guy a true reflection of myself? Do I even know how to do it? Or am I just trying to make that guy look like he's dressed up to go to, to Sunday morning school? Like, am, am I just, am I, do I got my virtual dockers on? And I, you know, I've got my every day. I've got my collared shirt out, and oh, I'm that making paint sure by I'm numbers, just right. Paint by numbers, digital version of yourself. I I can't get myself to do it. I started in on that, and I it, it just hit me. I don't know, twenty minutes in, and I haven't even got my eye shape figured out. Yet. What are you talking about? I'm talking more... about creating an avatar. Oh, oh what is this? I'm talking. Dude, about... I'm talking about the real reality of you. You you just presenting yourself in a social media platform. You are becoming an avatar at that moment. Like I'm not talking about altering your face. I'm saying like, all right, I got to figure out how to be some version of myself for everybody else that's looking at me, who's also trying to figure out how how they're doing. You know, they're probably years advanced from us, but you got to figure out what your touch is. And I think what I see everybody trying to figure out is how do you show a whole dish of your personality to a world that only will like certain flavors? I got slammed into this. They talk about there's a phrase called worlds colliding. And it, it, it can be tough whenever you've got one friend that you sort of put this face on, this emphasis to, and then another friend that this is kind of your relation. And and whenever you get into a platform, a social media platform like like Facebook or LinkedIn or any of these, it is, it's that times hundreds. You're putting the same face. You are worlds colliding with every single person that knows you. And it's absolutely impossible to actually show every aspect of your personality in this format. You can't give it all at once. You, you can only select little snippets, snapshots, slides, only put one little spin on it. It gets so limiting and difficult to figure out, what do I show in this limited time, in this limited space? But you can't do your whole self all at once. Well, yeah, and you also you're figuring out like what what justifies. Uh, I'm taking a picture. We're in the studio today. I'm going to take a picture and post it. it. What what justifies me yanking somebody else's awareness 
You know, even though we're all staring at boxes and we're all fascinated by the stupid activity that we got going on, I, I think there are some for somebody like me. I, I go, is this adequate? Is this good enough that I can ring the bell of the attention of all the people? Is this worthy of disrupting another human? And that comes with some social angst that that I'm still trying to worry about. Like if I if I'm going to create a stupor in somebody else, it, it, am I doing it for a just cause? And that's what I have to say. We hope we're here for it. it it's been it's been just three weeks into the ride right now. It's not going to end. I'm going to I'm going to keep rolling down it. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's like I said whenever I I saw that connection. And I I wasn't joking. If nothing else, that be that ability to say thank you to my third grade teacher that touched my life. What was so her name much. again? Ladon. Wait, I, I I would think Ladon just for being a person. That that can have an impact. Like how many people has she touched? Oh, I want. I, it's incredible to think that there are people out there that resonate, and we all have them. And I've got a few elementary school teachers. I got a couple, one couple college professors that stick out. Um, that should all be our. This should be our goal: is to resonate and impact somebody in a positive way, so that when they're twenty or thirty years ro- down the road, they they're dying to look back and go, "Hey, you know, I just want to let you know that you made an impact on my life." That, that's incredibly powerful, and uh, I applaud LaDonna for, for her ability to do that across a lot of lives <laughs> and to set those positive impacts out in the world that you would talk about noble activity. Like, LaDonna has done something there. She, she's put an impact on the world. She didn't do it through likes. She didn't do it through reels. She didn't do it through, through a funny clip. She did it by giving people the giving people of her presence and connecting with them in a way that shaped their development in a way that impacted them in a positive light. Yeah, and then in typical modern day fashion, I turned around and thanked her on a social media platform with absolutely. <laughs> I still think no, that no. means. I still think that no, means something to her. It I, did. It did. I, I, I'm certain that it did. It was. It was all worthwhile in the interaction. That may be our obligation is to to find those people that that had a positive impact in our life. And and when we were younger, we didn't have the ability to really convey to them what it meant to us. But now we're older, and now we know who those three or four or five people are, and we, we know that they gave us their awareness, they gave us their presence, and it, it helped us develop in those moments where we needed them. And that is evident by the memories that are set by those individuals, by the impact they have. We, we know who's moved us in life. And what, what they did to move us in life is they gave us their awareness and they gave us their presence. And so to tie that back to, to messing around with devices, the more you give to a device, the less you have available to give to a human. And that's a balance that we all have to, to learn to grow with because we are growing. We're all trying to figure out what are these devices supposed to do for us? How do they enable us? How do we not just stoop ourselves into them all day? How do we step out of our stupor? How do we give our presence to other people, which is really the greatest gift we can give, is, is our presence. How do we do that in a manner that doesn't involve us craning our head down to our laps all day? The two goals I hope I get out of it are that exact thing you just said, personal connection. Because as I'll kind of circle back to where I, I, why I've been out of it for so long, I, I've been afraid to connect with people that – are, are truly dear to me that means so much in my life and instead of em- embracing the ability to see them or to say hi I've been afraid of it for so long 
And now I'm turning around, and I hope that a new connection with all these people that mean so much in my life is going to help grow and evolve me. It is. You can tell. It is now, right? You're, you're working through, like, for example, in the LaDonna example, it allowed you to go back and put a bow on something that had been floating through your head for a long time. Now, I have to make sure that my desire to have that, <laughs> my need to find it, doesn't become me staring down at my phone, scrolling, just barely missing when the light turned green as you're driving. Or me looking down at a phone, scrolling. I just can't get enough when people are walking through a parking lot doing it. You got to be okay to sit with yourself at times. You and, do. And you not stare at a screen and not be stimulated by what is next, whether it's what somebody's wearing or the, or the score on the college football game you're worried about. You, you, it's okay at times just to be with yourself. And know that you're getting watched. That, that there are children that are learning from seeing how you behave and interact with your world. And you look just like everybody else that's staring down at their phone, ignoring their kid at a Little League game or ignoring the potential for another interaction with another human being. If you are ever the one looking down at your phone, you look just like that person. And if you haven't seen that person, pull your eyes up out of your phone and look around at any waiting room you're in, any Little League game you go to, any traffic light you're sitting at. Someone is knuckle-dragging their awareness through the dirt of this digital realm. Because when you're hitting it like that, there's nothing positive coming from that connection. You can build positive connection through this evil thing that we all call social media, but you've got to be very aware with yourself and how you're using that tool in your hand. Yeah, the, the medium's not what's evil. It's your inability to moderate self. Beautiful. That, that, that's where it becomes a challenge, and, and that's what we're all trying to grow through. How much of myself gets represented in a 2D megapixel version, how much of myself is still hanging outside, ready to go shoot some hoops, ready to go do anything in a physical presence? And how do we how do we balance those two? That's where we're all trying to learn right now. Some of us are really infant in this. Some of us are three weeks into it. And so we're out there on the social webs. Is that what they call them now? It's a platform, social media? We didn't even say Instagram or TikTok. I think those are even the biggest ones. All right, we're out there. We're out there. You can watch us with your own eyes. Watch us fumbling around on social media. You can find us on – I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, and you're on – Facebook and Instagram right now. Facebook and Instagram. And so if you would like to observe our social inadequacy in this visible web platform, it's there for you to watch. Watch, enjoy, engage. We're growing, and, and you can watch it. And I, I think it's interesting that this podcast has forced us – to develop in some areas that we never saw coming. And social media is one of them. And now we have another lens with which to look at our social capabilities. And whether or not you're socially inadequate or you consider yourself socially capable, it's something we're all navigating. And uh, my question would be, if, if you consider yourself a little too socially capable, you may be spending a little bit too much time on the device. That, that's probably a leaning that us that are, that are a little bit more socially conscious we're going to be in the device a little more than maybe we should be. And that's something I'm trying to bring awareness to in my own existence. But I'm crawling right now. I'm crawling. And I got some scabs on my knees. But Just I'm, keep looking up. I'm just and looking up. And you'll get man. up off the ground. I'm trying to get that C1 <laughs> above the C7 or whatever the sequence is. I'm trying to keep from stooping more than I need to. And we're all going to have to make the most out of our existence. That's what we're here to do as humans. Don't give your existence away to something that 
isn't adding to no. yours. No, ride that awareness. Ride your awareness yeah. like it's a it's like it's a spaceship headed to places you'll never go. Because this present moment is the only thing you have to live in. What matters. We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. That number is 866-340-3394. Again, that number is 866-340-3394. We look forward to hearing from you.